Hello, and thanks for downloading the Aerospace Testing Podcast. I'm ATI's editor, Ben Sampson, and in this month's podcast, I talk to Dr. Michael Smart, head of research and co-founder of Hypersonics, the Australia-based developer of hypersonic vehicles and scramjet engines. Dr. Smart is one of the world's leading experts in scramjet technology and for 10 years was a research scientist at the hypersonic air-breathing propulsion branch of NASA's Langley Research Centre. He's also been Professor and Chair of Hypersonic Propulsion at the University of Queensland in Australia. This is a great chat and introduction to hypersonic technology. Dr. Smart has a great way of explaining complex things simply and a real infectious enthusiasm for his area. So I'd just like to take this opportunity to tell you about our conference, which is being held in a few months' time and which Dr. Smart will be speaking at. It's called London to Sydney in five hours, and it's all about supersonic and hypersonic technology and testing. And yes, it is a real-life event. London to Sydney in five hours is being co-located with our first aerospace testing symposium in London on the 29th and 30th of September. And if you can't make it to London... The conferences will also be available online. There are more than 50 speakers at both events, which will also feature panel sessions and an exhibition from the industry's leading testing products and service suppliers. It's our launch event, so if you'd like to join hundreds of other industry professionals or just want to look at the program and get some more information, please go to symposium.aerospacetestinginternational.com or contact anna.young at markallengroup.com. I'll say that again, it's symposium.aerospacetestinginternational.com or email anna.young at markallengroup.com. So thanks for bearing with me during the, the lengthy intro uh, and let's get on with the chat. Okay, uh, hello uh, uh, Michael Smart, Dr. Michael Smart, CTO of Hypersonics, uh, founded in 2019. Thanks for taking the time out, joining me from Australia. No worries, Ben, good to talk to you. Great, thanks. Um could you just tell me a little bit about, about yourself and the company and what you're doing? Yes, yeah, so Hypersonics Launch Systems is the name of our company. Uh, we're a startup here in, uh, situated in Brisbane, Australia. We also have a, a business office in Sydney. And what we're doing is um, building scramjet engines. That's our, our core capability that we have that where we're leading the marketplace. And so a scramjet engine is a hypersonic air breathing engine so it's an air breathing engine like a jet engine so we use the air to generate thrust we use the oxygen from the air rather than having to carry an oxidizer like a rocket does so all we carry is fuel um, but a scramjet is designed to work at hypersonic speed so instead of having lots of turbo machinery like a jet engine has for compression and other things uh, we use shockwaves and so our system doesn't have any moving parts. Actually, our particular scramjet engine has no moving parts whatsoever. Um, so it, in many ways, it's, it's quite simple. However, it operates at hypersonic speed, and so it has all the challenges of very, very high-speed flight. Okay. Now, a common thing for, for the interviewer to say here is, is to say, well, hypersonic, that's not that new. It's been around for a while, right? Um, so well, <laughs> What, what's what's different about about your your engine? I think it's called Spartan, right? Um, and you know what are the sort of key tech? So yeah, so hypersonic technology has been around since the space age, right? So in order for a rocket to get into space, it has to go hypersonic. But when people talk about hypersonics, what they're really talking about is very very high speed flight in the atmosphere. 
where you have to deal with the fact that you've got to push the air out of the way and you've got to rub up against the air at very, very high speed, uh, which generates heat. So you have to deal with shock waves and then you have to deal with the heat uh, that's generated. And what's different about our technology is, you know, we're using, we're, we're developing propulsion at hypersonic speeds. So we don't just have a big rocket that pushes us along at hypersonic speed and we have to deal with the friction, et cetera. We're actually using the air uh, to generate propulsion. And hopefully, if we do our job right, we generate more thrust than drag and we can accelerate. Um, and so that's the real difference. And so when we say we, that our Spartan engine is a hypersonic air breathing engine, it captures air, which we have to do very, very efficiently. Otherwise, we'll create too much drag. Um, we then have to mix and burn fuel with that air, which, and we use hydrogen for a very specific reason for that. And then we add that energy and then we have to expand the air so it goes out the back of our engine faster than it came in. And so, and once we do that, like change the momentum of a, flu a fluid, that generates our, our thrust. So that's the real difference that's going on right now is people are talking about hypersonic propulsion. Yeah. Whereas, whereas the, the TEDx talk that I just watched, uh, part of you talking about, you were talking about Apollo 11, those types of rockets, yeah. that's a one-shot one deal, right? It's quite a crude yeah. whoosh thing. Okay, sure. Yeah. So uh, this this on, ongoing uh, propulsion that you're talking about, I mean, what are there are there key advances in materials, technology, or, or aerodynamics or design that, that are really underpinning what you're able to achieve at the moment? Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely, Ben. So there's... There's three sorts of technologies that have come together that which really enabled us uh, to create a, a, a working engine that could that could be part of a real system. Um, the first one is is computational power. Like it's just amazing what we can simulate nowadays. And there's a significant amount of simulation that we do to design our vehicle. In the end, we do experiments, but it's really we use the simulation not to necessarily to analyze what goes on, but to design. So, you know, um, to, de to design a system that can survive, you know, flying at Mark 10, we do a lot of simulation. So that's one of the things that's really come along. And that's true of many industries, right? Making use of simulation. Um, the second key thing that's come along is um, high temperature composite materials. So these are composite Composites that are laid up just like you're making a surfboard or some other um, a wing, um, some other component, um, but through another few extra steps of processing, they can actually operate at very, very high temperatures, temperatures of the order of 1,500 degrees Celsius. And with, like if you had to look at a plate that was that hot, like you couldn't look at it. You'd have to have your hands in the way to burn your face like seriously hot um, materials, and they can be used again and again and again without any damage. Mm -hmm. So that is just absolutely amazing. Now, those materials, they're called um, ceramics matrix composites. Mm -hmm. uh, they have been developed for like turbine blades for aircraft or um, the turbine particularly as opposed to the compressor. Um, but the real thing has come along like in the last, they've been around for a while um, in flat plate type shapes. But what's really changed in the last five years, I would say, is we can make our entire scramjet out of these materials. So our scramjet is not flat. It's a very curved shape. It's quite big. Um, and we're able to manufacture 
real aerodynamic components out of these uh, ceramics matrix composites. So that's a technology that's really come along, and that has broader applications, not just to um, uh, hypersonic flight, but anywhere you have very, very high temperatures. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the third thing has come along, which we sort of didn't expect so much, is uh, this real emphasis on the hydrogen economy. So hydrogen um, has really been looked at over the last 10 or 12 years as, uh, as a automotive fuel, but also as a different energy source. And there's been a lot of technology that's been developed for automotive applications in hydrogen. You know, enormously high pressure gaseous tanks that can be used on by buses and cars on the road. Um, liquid hydrogen tanks, um, the ability to handle hydrogen, um, the ability to create green hydrogen. So using solar energy to break down water and create green hydrogen. So those three sorts of quite different technologies have really come together for us. And then we've developed our own uh, very unique scramjet engine, Spartan, which uses hydrogen fuel, but through the, a lot, you know, more than 30 years of research uh, here in Australia, uh -huh. we developed a, a scramjet that can accelerate from Mark 5 to Mark 10. And when you're traveling hypersonic, that's a massive range of um, operation. Um, there's no other scramjet out there that, that has that sort of range of operation. Um, and so that's what's really unique about, like those other three technologies are available to other people, just like us, right? But the really unique thing that we've done is we've, through a lot of um, a lot of research, a lot of government investment here in Australia, um, we've developed this um, world-leading scramjet engine. Okay. And, yeah, and just another thing about it is yeah. because our scramjets um, – are accelerating. They're really the real application for them is um, as a hypersonic platform. So a vehicle that's used many, many times over. It's not like a one-use system. A lot of scramjet work that's done all over the world at the moment um, is they're one-use systems, if you know what I mean. Um, but our system, uh, we we're able to really um, make an expensive system because it, it's going to be used many, many times over. And so our, our aircraft, our Delta Velos aircraft, which is powered by the Spartan Scramjet, once it's done its mission, it can come back and land just a normal plane. Um, and so that's really key uh, to to our business model and, and all, everything that we do. That, that was my next question, actually, uh, Michael, the, the, the uh, Delta Velos orbiter. Uh, I mean, is that, that obviously is going to be quite further down the line. You need the engine first, right? I mean, how, how are you sort of um, you still at the design stage with that or...? Well, no, so what? Yeah, so what we're doing. So we've the engine has been developed over many years, um, but as well as doing um, our research on engines, we've learned a lot about um, hypersonic vehicles as well. Um, and so, what we are doing in the company is we're building a um, an MVP, so a minimum viable product, which is our Delta Velos, mm -hmm. which is a it's a reusable. Um, hypersonic aircraft. Uh, it has, you know, ailerons, moving tails, all the sorts of things that it would be on any small aircraft. Uh, it's fully autonomous. Um, and it's about six metres long. So it's it's actually sort of the minimum size that we could 
do you know a useful commercial productive mission with and at the whole focus of the company right now is to build a prototype of delta velos we're deep in the design phase right now um and then take that and go and fly it and 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 not just fly it once but fly it twice because the whole point of our system is it flies back and it's reusable um so our goal is to fly it twice and that's that's the plan that we're on and um over the next well our plan says 28 months from now we will do that flight so that's sort of the timing of, of everything that we're doing <laughs> yeah i know yeah. <laughs> 28 months is pretty is a pretty quick yeah time yeah, and, uh, yeah. what um yeah what, i mean just for the benefit of the listeners i mean what I mean, is there? Could you describe the design of, of the of, of Delta Velos? I mean, is there an inspiration behind it? I mean, what's the key elements of the design? Yeah, so it's a, it's a hypersonic aircraft. So think think of Concorde uh, mm-hmm. on steroids. So that's it, that's what it'll look like. It doesn't have as big a wings as Concorde because when you're traveling um, hypersonic, you, you're generating so much pressure on your surf the surfaces of your vehicle. You don't need a lot of wing. Um, I don't know. The listeners might know the old, the X fifteen, so that was the rocket plane from the sixties. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a hypersonic aircraft as well, and it came back and landed and did one hundred ninety nine missions. You know, there were, th- I think there were three vehicles. Um, so that's sort of our inspiration as well. Um, and yeah, yeah. So so that's so yeah, that's what we're trying to do. So hypersonic aircraft. So before we talk about the, the where you are in the testing and development of, of Spartan, um, just quickly, could you just describe to me the um, uh, the applications that you have in mind? Are you talking about you know how far you know you're going all the way into space? You're talking about taking passengers and cargo in, up up beyond the atmosphere. I mean, what what's the kind of use case? Yeah, so um, the the real the use case that is interestingly is easiest <laughs> um, is um, as part of a reusable small sat launch system. Mm-hmm. So all the, the little small sat systems um, that fly right now, they're all one use, right? So point and shoot, uh, one use, and they have these enormously long supply chains um, to, to build because they're throwing them away. So our system um, is designed to be a part of a fully reusable small satellite launch system that, you know, because it's reusable, will be more economic than throwing things away. But it's also will be quite enabled to be quite responsive. So it'll sort of be sitting in the garage waiting to go. And there's a lot of interest now on responsive access to space. So historically, you know, you plan two years ahead for a space launch and everything, they build everything, they put it together, and then they launch it. But if you've got a system that's just sitting there waiting to go, and say um, one of a key satellite that's used for imagery or or part of a commercial a communication system goes down, like we can be we can put up two weeks later. So that's really um, the main short term application uh, for our technology is reusable space launch. Now, in the longer run, um, the scramjet engines uh, are reusable and could be thought of as a propulsion system for airlines. But they do have the limitation that, um, you know, they don't work until you get to Mark V. So there's another propulsion system required. And there's lots of work going on um, in different places about how to 
develop essentially a jet engine that can operate from zero to Mark V. Um, and, you know, once that technology is in place, then the scramjet can enable you to go to Mark Seven, Mark VIII, um, and can be part of a uh, of a, an airline system. But the, the thing about developing aircraft for people is people, you know, like to watch movies. Uh, they like to survive, you know. They like oxygen. So it's, you know, there's a lot of tech that needs to be added to the propulsion system in order to make something that you or I would want to fly on. Yeah, safely. way down the line, yeah, I guess. What's um, yeah. So let's, let's talk about um, let's talk about where you're at with the testing, what you're, what should, what you're actually doing. Um, I mean, you, you mentioned the, the, the computer simulation and the, a lot of the design work, of course, and, and then you reach a stage, I guess, where you, well, I know where you have to start validating stuff, um, start actually yeah, doing some physical experimentation. Um, I mean, where, where you're at at the moment and, and what's the next kind of big milestone you're looking at? Yeah, so we where we are now is um, so we have our Spartan scramjet design, and at the start of this year during uh, February March, um, we did a, a series of 111 experiments uh, in a um, hypersonic wind tunnel at the University of Queensland, and this you know this facility is called a free piston shock tunnel. It's able to recreate the exact conditions of flight. Of, your, of the scramjet engine, all the way from Mark V to Mark 10, not in the same experiment. So we would do an experiment Mark V and then one at Mark VI, all the way to Mark 10, different fueling configurations. And it was really what, what it was, it was a flight qualification test for us. So we knew the sort of thrust levels um, that are required for our system. And we basically went into um, the, the wind tunnel to check that um, that we're able to do that, and actually, it the engine worked better than we than we had hoped. So we we're extremely pleased about that. Um, so the current phase is we're now manufacturing a working scramjet engine. So we use out of these ceramics matrix composites, uh, where that's being built. Um, not in Australia, unfortunately. That capability isn't in Australia. Um, so we're having it um, manufactured in Europe. Um, we are building the hydrogen fuel system that we would need. Uh, at this present time, our MVP has a hydrogen fuel tank, which is where we store gaseous hydrogen at 700 atmospheres, so 70 megapascals, which is an absolutely enormous pressure. Um, and through lots of work that's technology development that's been done in the automotive industry, we're able to fill that tank in five minutes. It's this refueling system is it's almost like magic to someone like myself, an engineer like myself. But it's it's designed to, you know, you pull over on the autobahn with your car and you plug it into the hydrogen system and it fills your tank to 700 atmospheres in five minutes. It's absolutely amazing tech. Um, so at the moment we're building um, our fuel system. And so early next year, we're going to put the scramjet and the fuel system together. We can't operate the scramjet at hypersonic speed in the lab, but we've already done that. What we're doing is built is we're going to take the fuel system and the scramjet through what's called hardware in the loop testing. So we'll run a mock trajectory essentially many times over and look at different problems that we may, might have and, and understand how the system responds. So that's really our near-term goal. And as I say, in terms of 
um, engineering. But in terms of design, we're heavily, we're deeply in the stage of designing our Delta Bellus uh, vehicle right now. And there's a lot of thermal analysis that we need because it gets really hot. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so that, so that, that uh, when you start the hardware and the loot testing next year, I mean, that would that be a fully integrated system? That's that'll be everything put together, or yeah, yeah that's the idea. Yeah, that we because the part of the funding that we that we're using for that it's it's for the Department of Industry here in Australia and it's commercialization funding. So essentially, we're developing that engine system as an engine that could be used. Um, uh, by other companies, for example, uh, to power a, an, a hypersonic aircraft. So that that's really it's really been developed as a system in itself. Um, but we, of course, want to in order to prove that system works, we need to go and fly it ourselves. And so that's what the Delta Bellus uh, is about. Okay. I mean, is there anything else particularly innovative about about what you're doing? Perhaps the approach. I mean, it, so- um, yeah, I think on the space side of things. So I would say that uh, we're, we aim to be a new space company. So our core competency uh, that we have that's ahead of the pack is to do scramjet engines. Um, and so our plan is not to reinvent all the other parts of Delta Velos uh, that we would need to fly. It. So mm-hmm. we're going to partner with, with high, other high-tech companies, maybe small companies like ourselves, uh, to put that whole system together. So we're not going to reinvent any wheels. We're going to go to the best in class and form partnerships to build this Delta Bell system. So I think that's actually quite different to lots of the space companies. They're all very er- vertically integrated, these space companies. They want to make every nut and bolt themselves and every tank and every actuator, um, which, of course, they then go and throw away because it, it, it's this very long supply chain. And if you have a problem with that supply chain, we're well, stuffed. But for us, we're developing an aircraft. So it's a completely different business model for the space industry. And I, I think, um, you know, once we prove this technology um, that you can fly to space, you know, um, I think it's going to change a lot of the thought processes that go on in the space industry. So we would see ourselves as, as a disruptor to the space industry, a completely different business model. That, that and so change, apart from the technology, you know, that's a really important thing, I think, that we're trying to do. That fundamental change in the business model, um, perhaps one day with hypersonic, um, but, you know, that, that kind of idea of reusable vehicles um, reaching space, you know, the cost coming down. And do you, you think that's a change we're going to see in, in, within within our lifetimes? You know, we're oh, definitely, see- definitely, yeah, yeah. I, the thing, thing about our scramjet technology um, is that, you know, particularly here in Australia, um, we've been working on it for 30 years. And so it's very mature in itself. And so there's no new equation we have to solve. There's no new you know, technology that we have to add. Everything is in place. So, you know, we're, we're planning to be launching small sats with our system five years from now. That's, that's the plan. Um, but that, that, Flight of our MVP, 28 months from now, that's obviously a key technology um, hurdle that we need to get past um, to really prove that that we have a working, you know, functioning system. Okay. Sure. All right. And how about a, a hypersonic aircraft? I've got to ask because uh, the conference is part of it. <laughs> how about a hypersonic aircraft 
London to Sydney, what, what is it, five hours or four hours? Oh, no, it's London to Sydney is like three hours. Uh, yeah, okay. I think it's less than three hours. Um, possible. Probably probably more time getting out of London to, the, to Heathrow than, than it takes a flight. <laughs> but maybe not, maybe not quite that. Um, you know, it, it is, but as I s- said earlier, um, you know, the, the technology needs to prove itself um, with these other applications first. And then I think, I really believe technology doesn't, in engineering, um, not so much in physics where you're coming up with new ideas, but in engineering, technologies take steps, but they don't take massive steps because you're not sure where to take that step to. But if you take relatively small steps, you learn a lot, then you go, oh, I know where my next step needs needs to be. And I think that's what what, what will happen. With this hypersonic technology, we can get a system that works for small sats, system that's very maneuverable. You know, not point and shoot like a standard rocket system. People will will come up with new ways of using that, and then, you know, if the other propulsion systems come along uh, and speed up a bit, then they'll put the, you know, the high speed jet engine and the scram bit together, and then we'll be looking at um, how to fly Sydney to London in three hours. So. Uh, you know, I, I think it, it'll be as we move this technology along, it'll be much clearer about which way is the best way to go. Great. Okay. I think that's a great place to finish, uh, Michael. Thank, thank you for your time very much. Uh, I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I think it's always. So, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it uh, and maybe learned a thing or two. Uh, I certainly did. Uh, Remember, you can catch Dr. Smart at the London to Sydney and Aerospace Testing Symposium in in September in London, uh, either in person or online. Go to symposium.aerospacetestinginternational.com for more details and a look at the program uh, and, of course, the opportunity to register. Uh, See you next episode uh, and, and have a great day.